Well, I'm Jamie. I'm the lead pastor here, and we are finishing a series that we've been calling Preparing for Christmas. This is uh, part four of this. And, uh, oh yeah, one quick uh, reminder, this coming Thursday night will be our candlelight service on Christmas Eve candlelight service. That'll be from 5 to 6 p.m. And it'll be really like, it starts at 5 and really be done at 6. It's pretty tight on that one, so you can make your plans for your evening around all of that. And really looking forward to you guys coming. That's going to be on what date is that? Thursday, December 24th, yeah. Ongoing joke about Jamie uh, saying, I, I, years ago, I, I said, uh, hey, so that's going to be on the 24th this year. I was in a staff meeting and said, that, that's going to be on the 24th, and like it's still like folklore that gets passed down. Everybody has to kid me about, it. we're doing that on the 24th this year, right? <laughs> so like the, the old guys passed it on to the new guys, and it's like they were there, but they weren't. And it's just a joke that just keeps on going. So... Hey, so what we've done so far is uh, three previous parts to this uh, series. The first one was a longing with a name. And this longing that we have in our hearts is for Jesus. And so one of the things we hit on was that Jesus came, that's what we were remembering, but that he's also coming again. And we live in this in-between time between when the, the age that's coming has broken into this age. So a longing, there's a longing in our hearts, a longing with a name. The second piece, we talked about preparing our hearts and getting ready. And then last week, we talked about patiently waiting with joy. So when it takes longer than than what we thought, or it takes even not just waiting on Jesus, but things that are delays in our lives or difficulties. We praise God through those things. We rejoice. We, we find reasons to praise the Lord when we're having to wait. Just uh, 40 minutes after the service, we got to walk out some of this last week. Second service finished. Kim and I, we hung out here for a little bit, and then we went and got some tacos. And we were going back to our house and uh, the light at, at Brian Irvin and Oak, Oakmont was like unbelievably long. It really was. It was unbelievably long. I was being tested a little bit on the inside, but there was just a rejoicing kind of thing going on in me. But, <laughs> but Kim vocalized what was going on in her, in her heart. She said, I mean, it really was like two minutes or something. And, and uh, she said, this light is taking forever. I mean, can, can a light take this long? What in the world's going on? And I looked slowly at, over at her and she goes, uh, I mean, I mean, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. <laughs> Literally, forty minutes working the sermon out right there in the car, doing great, praising God when we're having to patiently wait. And so this week, we're taking it to the next step, and uh, we're talking about enter into the Christmas story. Enter in. So we don't want to be outside observers. We want to literally step in, and that sounds. Uh, maybe it sounds obvious to us that what, of course we want to enter in. We hear the story, we want, to, we want to jump in, right? But, you know, life, there's lots of things that we are looking right at that we don't actually, uh, we're not aware of. We don't perceive it. You ever been walking down the street and then somebody bump into you and you realize you were approaching them, but you were just kind of looking through them or past them, you know, that kind of thing. And then you bump into them like, oh, I didn't even see you, you know, standing there. That happens all the time. It happens in our in our lives and in our homes, at our house, I don't know if there's anything at your house that you're not aware of that maybe you should be. And so Kim helps me out with this from time to time. Uh, so um, should I hear, Jamie, can you come in here for a minute? That's usually not, not good. Just, uh, yes, 
<laughs> and we go to the kitchen, and I stand there, you know, kind of. And she says, "What do you see?" And like, there's four cabinet doors all open, you know, just open. And this has been a, and I have a blind spot. It's like something I'm seeing, but I'm not seeing it. Somehow, when I open it, and I get the thing out. It somehow seems right to for it to stay or something. I don't know. The other thing is the closet door, and it's been a lot lately because I just I put my coats up like Mister Rogers, and I I. I <laughs> And I think about that all the time. That's so weird. You're like a little kid and you remember that. But I closed, I just kind of pushed the door. And for me, closed is like anywhere from all the way to four inches. And that's, that's closed. But that's not, that's not closed over here. And I've got a blind spot. I need a, I'm looking at it. It looks closed, but it's not really. It needs to be all the way in with the handle shut. So some of you guys relate to That's right. Some of you guys relate to that. Some of you don't. But uh, it's like there's things like that in life that we see, but we don't really see. And that's the Christmas stories like you're on the phone, you've been on the phone and you drive past the intersection and you're like, wow, I totally, what was I doing? I, I was in another place. And that's, that's kind of what we're talking about here. So uh, it's in, in the reason it's so important, uh, oh yeah, I remembered another example. Do y'all remember when I showed the, uh, the, the missing gorilla experiment? So it's like count the, how many times the, there's people in white shirts and people in black shirts. The people in the white shirts, you're supposed to count the ball. One, two, three, and everybody's intensely focusing. And then you get to the end of the thing, you're like 13 or 14. We're all guessing how many passes. And then they go, but did you see the gorilla that came through the, the, the video? And you don't. A lot of us didn't because you're not looking for that. And sure enough, they replay it in a and, and a gr- guy in a gorilla suit literally walks in the middle of the circle. They're passing the ball all around. He goes, and then walks off, you know? And it's all about what we're locked in on, what we're focused in on. And so I'm calling us today, that to, to, the call is to enter into the story because it's so important. It really is a treasure of a story that we've been invited into. Uh, Antique Roadshow. Anybody seen Antique Roadshow? The whole the, the premise there is that these people find things in their attics or something was passed down from grandma, and they're hoping that their little board game or, oh, this board game's from 1903, and Steve so-and-so invented this, and he died an early death, but, but the, the legacy he left us through these games is incredible. They're works of art. This thing is valued at $11,579. And they're like, oh, that's wonderful. And so the, 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 the treasure idea is also, you guys aren't flowing with me, I, I can tell on this. <laughs> Jesus talked about this. He said, you're going to find a treasure in a field. That's what I'm saying. This story is like the, tre- the get back to Jesus. Antique Roadshow not working. Jesus said, there's a treasure in a field. It's worth everything to enter into this story, to, to jump in with us. And that's what we're talking about in today's Revised uh, Common Lectionary Readings. That's what we've been using, joining with the church around the world. We're going to see the opportunity for us to enter into the Christmas story. And the question is, will we do it? This Christmas time, will we do it? And the Lord's calling us into it. Here's the main thing today. Uh, God wants us to see, to really see, and enter into the Christmas story as we wait for Jesus to come again as we celebrate his birth and his coming and as we wait for him to come again. So here we go. Three pieces, three scriptures, three pieces. The first one is this. God wants us, first of all, to enter a story of promise. Micah is the 
Old Testament prophet Micah chapter 5, verses 2 through 5. First part of verse 5 anyway. Father, I ask that You'd bless the reading of Your Word today. Stir us up, God. Give us faith in our hearts to enter in. In Jesus' name, Amen. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor gives birth, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be their peace. Wow. Okay, so this is, again, drawing back into biblical history. 740 B.C. is when Micah's writing. He's a contemporary of, of uh, Isaiah, who also had some things to say about the coming king and his his government's going to increase in his government and his peace. There'll be no end. The increasing peace, increasing government. And so uh, here it's, and he will be their peace. Um, I like the, the language I was, when I first read this, I was like, why does this sound familiar? Whose origins are from of old and from ancient times. And, you know, Tolkien drew upon this kind of language in talking about a coming king. And he was insistent that it wasn't, a biblical thing, you know, but I mean, it's obviously, you, know, you can see where he got some of his influence. But it says, he will be their peace. And Micah is weaving this story in about the coming king. Jesus is, is in the line of David. He's going to be a shepherd who's going to shepherd his flock. And what does Jesus ultimately do? He comes on the scene and he says, I am the good I'm the shepherd. He recognizes who he is in the story. I'm the shepherd. My sheep are going to know my voice. And we, over time, as we walk with Jesus, we learn to hear his voice and hear what he sounds like. And we hear it in the times that we hear him correctly. And then times when we hear him, but do something different and it grieves us. And we go, that was his voice. I want to follow Jesus, the chief shepherd, the good shepherd. I want to follow him. But What happens is, just like the Jews who missed him back when he was there, uh, in fact, right when he says, I'm the good shepherd, there's a lot of things going on just in those previous chapters, John 7, 8, and 9, where people are missing him left and right. And you know why? John 9, they missed him as well. You know why they missed him? Because they were looking for something else. They were looking for someone different. They weren't looking for someone who looked like Jesus. They were looking for a military ruler. They were looking for someone who, uh, you know, even the, even the, uh, the, the Pharisees said, Jesus, the, the ruler's going to come from Bethlehem. They used this passage to say he's going to come from Bethlehem, and because they didn't know the full story, they said, it's not Jesus. He's from Nazareth. Well, we know he's from Bethlehem and from Nazareth, right? He was born in Bethlehem. So they missed him even though he was right there. They thought he was going to be like something else. They didn't think he was going to be a suffering servant who would die for everybody, who would give his life rather than you know, taking military rule in that kind of way. And they didn't understand it. And you know, when we start thinking about it in our own lives, we, we realize that not only do we miss him sometimes, we miss his call to us because we think he's looking for someone different than us as well. Um, 
I, I saw a great painting this morning that I had never seen before. I was, uh, it sounds weird, I was online is actually what I was, uh, but I saw a painting by a guy named Caravaggio. And he painted this painting in 1599 and 1600, and it's a painting of the calling of Matthew. And he has, uh, it's, it looks like characters from that time, totally, uh, you know, Roman guys in uh, that getup of circa 1600. And the door is open, and Jesus is pointing at a guy, and the light's kind of coming in. And this Caravaggio guy was literally paints himself kind of into the picture. And he sees himself as Matthew. And it's real easy. I was, even myself, I was easy, it was easy to see myself as Matthew and as Caravaggio in this picture. Because I, if, if you guys knew who I was, when Jesus called me, you would say, he's really not somebody that, that we think's worth calling too much. If you knew what my life was like. And yet, so, so Jesus, the, the painting is, Jesus is going like this, and Matthew is going, and you know what he's saying? Me? And just like it's easy to miss Jesus sometimes, it's easy to miss that he's calling us. He's calling me. He's calling you, Joe. And, and it's easy for us to go, me? And just like it's because of the way we judge ourselves, it's easy to miss ourselves. It's also easy to miss God's calling on other people because we put ourselves again in that role of judge. And when we do that, it's like, you know, Christina or Chris, Krista, you know, just, and we go, can God really use them? And he does. He wants to. Even though sometimes it blows us away, this is a story of promise and of hope and practically seeing who he is and who we are and who other people are in his eyes. It's a good news story, a story of hope that God's calling us to step into. So that's the first piece. It's a story that he's calling us into, a story of promise. The second piece, second scripture, is that it's a story. God wants us to enter a story of presence. Everybody doing okay so far? Okay. So Luke chapter 1 Luke chapter 1, verse 46. Here many pages. <laughs> going to add to the effect. Okay. So what's going on here? Luke 1, 46. Mary has just been told by Gabriel she's going to be pregnant with the Son of God. Okay, so... Uh, she is overjoyed. She goes to her cousin Elizabeth, who is six months pregnant with whom? John the Baptist, right? John the Baptist. And so she, Mary comes in. She's rejoicing. She steps into the room. The baby in Elizabeth's womb leaps for joy. And, and then Mary starts this song. It's called the Magnificat. And it goes like this. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. Okay, Mary is blessed. Why? Because she gave birth to the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. She is blessed indeed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. And holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. So that's us, from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. 
And he has scattered, for he has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts and brought down rulers from their thrones. But he has lifted up the humble, and he has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Okay, so this song here is a, uh, it's basically a, a song about the presence of God. The nearness and the presence of God has come to Mary. She's literally pregnant with the presence of God. Like God's coming in the flesh and he's coming in her and through her to the world. Powerful kind of thing. I love the generations stuff in there from one generation to the next. All the generations will call me blessed, generation to generation. Even down at the bottom there, it says, to Abraham and his descendants forever. So here's the way I want us to think about this for just a minute. This promise, God comes to a pagan guy named Abram, and he says, through you, look up at the stars, this is your descendants. And through you, all the nations of the world, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. This incredible promise. So he's looking forward at what's going to come through his family line. And ultimately, Jesus Christ comes on the scene. So if you can imagine, you know, Abram's looking forward and he doesn't know what all it's going to look like, but he's got this incredible promise that everybody's going to be blessed, all nations blessed through him. And then Jesus comes, who is the ultimate fulfillment of that promise. It's not just the people who come in the bloodline, the family line. Paul's very clear about this. He wants us all to understand that it's, it's the faith in Jesus is the key part of what's going on here. It's Jesus Christ who's going to do everything that's going to make this right and make all nations actually be blessed. And so we are now kind of down the line and then down the line past Jesus uh, there's descendants that are in the same promise. We're in the promise of Abraham through faith. And I need to say a few words about this because uh, Paul says this in Romans 4. He says it in Galatians 3. We'll read a couple passages here in just a minute. But he says it's faith. And when I say faith, I don't mean faith like how much faith do you have? Like, are uh, you been lifting your weights? Do you have a lot of faith? I mean, faith like believing what God's done. And not like believing it real strong, but believing what God's done. And that's kind of, if you don't get this, then you can turn faith into a work. You ever heard the phrase, this phrase drives me crazy. They didn't have saving faith. It's a phrase that's out just kind of in evangelical Christianity. Well, you know, they didn't really have saving faith. Do you have saving faith? I'm like, uh... What kind of faith is that? I mean, faith is kind of believing, isn't it? Or is it more than that? And I'm trying to lift a burden off of people. There's a burden that gets on, Did you? are you believing enough? And it makes it like another work kind of thing. Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, and the, the Greek word is idiotes. It's translated, you foolish Galatians. Foolish. Foolish Galatians. Uh, J.B. Phillips' version, he literally transliterates the Greek word. He says, you idiot Galatians. Just, you guys, you started with the Spirit. You started with something you could never, ever do. All you did was believe. Like, uh, what kind of uh, belief? I mean, ultimately, 
our faith isn't in our faith. My faith's not in how much faith I've got. My faith is actually in Jesus. My faith is in His faithfulness. My faith is really, is, is, my faith is the faith of Jesus Christ. I, I don't have any other hope than Jesus. No matter how we say that or nuance it, you know, and, and we will find a way. It's so easy for us to find a way to even turn faith into something that's like, did you do it enough? Did you do it right? You didn't really do it. You didn't have, and it's just like, oh man, talk about an assurance killing thing if even believing has to be done in a right way. So I want to help us, like believing is like, okay. That's it. It's like, yes. And the reason this is important is because we are in this promise. Abraham, Jesus, and everybody who's in his family, Paul says it in Romans 4, says it here in uh, Galatians uh, 4 as well, in, in 3, he says that the people that are in his family, it's Jew and Gentile, that's who's in the family that believe in, in Jesus, that are, we put our hope there. So uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse... Uh, sorry. Six, consider Abraham. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. Is that pretty clear? Believing. The Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles, the nations, the ethnic groups of the world by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. Back here. All nations will be blessed through you. So those that have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Verse 14 talks about Jesus coming, dying on a cross to end the curse. And He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So this is an incredible promise that we've been brought into. And I want to just again... Abraham, the promise comes. Jesus is the seed, not seeds, but the seed that fulfills this promise to Abraham. And now here we are centuries later after Jesus. And if you can imagine, uh, Jesus is standing here like a, like a stick person, kind of. But now multiply that since Jesus, like all the stick people, just, uh, that's just kind of my, my picture, just our people. Uh, I drew it out on a slide one time. That's why I had, I had lots and lots of stick people. Um, but just just us, all these centuries later, in this promise. So the promise that comes to Abraham comes through Jesus and is still being realized through us. So that's what's going on right now. God is still blessing the nations of the earth through the people that are connected to Jesus Christ by faith. Okay? So, amen, right? All right, so God wants us to enter a story of promise, a story of presence, where we experience His presence in life. And then finally, God wants us to enter a story of redemption. Redemption. Okay, so now this final reading is from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 through uh, 10. And, and this passage is kind of shows a little bit about what Jesus came to do. 
So we're talking about the transition between the old covenant and the new. And it says this in verse 5, Therefore, when Christ came into the world, He said, and He quotes Psalm 40, says, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for Me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Okay, so this is challenging for us if we think, if we're not thinking right about the Old Testament, we think, you know, God needed all that. He says, sacrifice, offerings, you didn't desire, burnt offerings, sin offerings, you were not pleased with those things. Then I said, here I am. I've come, it is, is written about me in your scroll. I've come to do your will, O God. And then he explains what he's just said from, uh, from Psalm 40, verse 8. First he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings, you did not desire, and uh, nor were you pleased with them although the law required them to be made. Then he said, here I am. I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So Jesus Christ comes to bring an end to these ongoing sacrifices that were happening that God says clearly that Jesus Quote is quoted, quoting Psalm 40, but Jesus is saying as well, God's not looking for those things. He wants to bring an end to those things. He wants to bring a once for all sacrifice that's going to deal with our need to offer sacrifices like that. It's going to bring an end to that whole system, that whole way of thinking in our darkened minds. Okay? So what Jesus does is, and we remember this at Christmas time, Jesus steps into humanity. God becomes a man. And in God becoming a man, he unifies himself with that first man. Okay, so God and man are one. He is now united with Adam. And that's good news for us because what we could never do on our own to bring an end to this sinfulness. You know, it's one thing that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and we can be forgiven. Praise God. But it's something more that he's doing on the cross than just getting our sins forgiven. He's dealing with the sin factory, that, that I'm a sin factory, and I need to be dealt with. And that's what Jesus does. He comes, he enters into humanity, and then he takes humanity. He takes Adam, all of us, with him to the cross. That's why Paul in Romans 5 and 6, that's what he's explaining there, and he's able to say in Romans 6, 6, for we know that our old self was crucified with Christ on the cross. Now, when you get that, you start getting and understanding a bit of what Christianity is about. The trajectory of Christianity is union with Christ. Okay, so it's a fact, but it's also something that we grow in understanding. The more we walk, the more we understand. This is the trajectory of our life in God. That he, we have been united to Christ and we are experiencing this death to the old, that's what baptism pictures, death to the old life, that's what happened at the cross, and resurrection, a resurrection life, that's what happens in the resurrection, that's what happens more and more in our life as we experience the truth, the reality of who God is for us in Jesus Christ. Does this make sense? So it just absolutely is, it's a story of redemption. It's just redeemed, ransomed, set free, delivered, saved, reconciled. Wow. Brought out of darkness into light. Brought out of bondage and into freedom. Brought out of death and into life. 
All of that stuff is happening when we talk about we were in this old way of doing life, but we've been brought out of the old and into the new. We've been brought out of even, it's talking about here, out of the old covenant and into this covenant where Jesus writes his very will inside of us, not on stone tablets, but on the the tenderness of our own hearts. You know, he's made it to where we can't be good sinners. Not really. Not in him. He, it just, you, you, it, the closer you walk with Jesus, the more miserable you are trying to sin and get away with it. I remember years ago, the, the old timers will remember you just, I, 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 those blessings I do at the end. I, 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 there were several I don't, weeks, I was on a little tear, and I said, May the Lord bless you to be miserable sinners. And people were like, eh, eh? I, don't know, I, I don't know if I want to catch that one or not. All I was saying was, like, that you wouldn't be happy in your sin. But that you'd be under conviction and and turn out of that and love Jesus and love holiness and love walking with Him and be quick to turn. So it's a new story, you guys, where we follow Him. And the idea is that we would be, just like Jesus is saying, I've come to do Your will, O God, is that we would walk in that way ourselves. That we would say in an incarnational kind of way, in this story that we're connected to of redemption, that we would say, here I am. I've come to do Your will, Lord. I want to follow in Your steps. That's what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. I'm going to turn over there so I can get it right. Um, but Peter says, to this you were called. We were called because Christ suffered for you leaving you an example that you should follow in His steps. So we're called to follow. We're called to have that heart, that attitude, to penetrate, to enter into this story of redemption where we say, not just Jesus died for me. Yes, He did. He died the death. We all died together in Adam. And, and it had to happen. There's no, way, there's no way we could have walked into freedom apart from it. There had to be an end to that. But now He wants us and is calling us to not just know that piece of the story, but literally enter into the part of the story where we say, I've come to do your will. I want to walk with you, Lord. I want to follow in your steps. I want to just do life with you. I want to enter in fully. Follow Jesus and enter the story. That's what we're called to do. So how do we, how do we walk this thing out this year? This, it's Christmas time. I'm calling us. Enter into the story. How do we do this? You know, And I think for all of us, there's some, there's some choices that we need to make. And I think one of the biggest ones is that painting. I just, I'm going to leave that as an image. You can look it up, Caravaggio. You can look it up online. But just Jesus is stepping into the room. And He's pointing at you. And even when you're tempted to go, and, and it's probably right to go, who, me? At one level, it's like, Lord, would you, would you use me? Would you use me to be your disciple? to share your life, to make a difference in the world, to speak your words, to, to show your love? Would you, would you use me like that? You know, And that's, that's the practical part of walking this thing out. It really is. We're all going through so much stuff right now, Christmas time. It's kind of a, it, it's a weird time. It's a good time. But it's a weird time because when we, when we go back to relationships that, that we only see each other at Thanksgiving and Christmas and those kinds of things, it's, it's weird. It's like, Joe, how old are you? 27. It's, it's, like, it's like he's not 27 really. It's like he's 
18 sometimes. It could be. You know? And I've been in situations where I was like 48. I'm a little older than that now, but just I'm going back in time. But where, where you're like 48, but the people in the room, it's, you're still kind of like you're 18. You know, you're still the goofball, you know, church, pastor, nah, you, you're still 18. You know, and so just we need this encouragement right now to walk through this season in the story and not just let the story happen to us. And not just let life happen to us. Not just be passive. You know, as we go, and today we're going to see family and do the Christmas thing. And I know a lot of you guys are will be in the next few days or next weekend. But just don't be passive. Be engaged in the story of Jesus. Y'all stand up. Amen. Worship team's coming. Ministry team's coming. We just want to take a little time. We do this at the end of every message to respond to the Lord. And so there's, you know, some of these things are pretty... Uh, uh, obvious almost. You know, we want to see Jesus as He is. And this is kind of an invitation to go, you know, either if you haven't been walking with the Lord or don't know the Lord, just to see Him going, he, there's an invitation. He's offering. He's going like, come to me. And even when you're tempted to just say, Lord, me? Are you, me? Are you talking to me? He wants you to, He did everything for you. He, he wants you to come to Him. And it's also an invitation for anybody that's just like needs to be recalibrated in hearing that call as He's pointing and saying, David, you know, as He's, as he's just around the room and uh, just to say, Lord, me? And we want to say, yes. Yes, we hear Your call, Lord. And yes, we want to walk with You. And so, Father, just would you meet us all around the room and just give grace to respond to you, Lord, to hear your love, to hear the, the tender voice of our good shepherd who has prophesied, Lord, and help us to enter in to the reality of walking with you, the, enter into the reality of the Christmas story, enter into, Lord, uh, just right now in this season, it's so important. You know, you guys, I, I don't know if you're troubled or you're going through hard times. A lot of times that happens at this time of year. He is, He brings hope. And he brings promise. And He brings His presence. And He brings redemption. So whatever your need is today, just know that Jesus wants to meet you and He's calling you. He's calling you. Come, come, come. Don't miss out on this opportunity to to just take a next step with Jesus. If you're sensing the Lord speaking to you about something, maybe it's beyond even anything I talked about, but just respond in prayer. Get prayer. We don't want anybody leaving today without getting some prayer if you need it. So Father, meet us today in Jesus' mighty name. Give grace. Amen. Hey, come. Whatever your need is. Amen.